Hello, everybody. I'm Kevin Witham. Welcome to Season 4 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Jesus prayed for unity so that the world may believe. Our mission is to connect and gather with Christians outside one's family of churches because we believe unity starts by building relationships. We say unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another conversation. Welcome back to Common Grounds Unity Podcast. We're glad that you're with us today. And I am very excited to have uh, Doug Foster co-hosting with me today and guests uh, Joel Brown and Paul Che. And I want to just give a, a little more of an introduction to Dr. Foster. He has been our guest several times. He is the chairman of the board for Global Christian Connection, formerly known as World Convention of Churches of Christ, uh, where I serve as executive director. So it's always nice to be on the podcast with him. He is the scholar in residence at Abilene Christian University and taught there for 27 years and wrote the book, A Life of Alexander Campbell. And that is a book that um, I really enjoyed reading and it's his latest book that he's authored. He also was a general editor for the Encyclopedia of the Stone Campbell Movement and the Stone Campbell Movement, A Global History. The episode I want to point you to is episode 104 and 105, where uh, Doug and Dr. Jerry Taylor from the Carl Spain Center were on, and that was a really fantastic podcast. They shared a lot of really good information, and I encourage you all to go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it. So many of you of our listeners know that our mission flows out of the plea for unity and the gathering together of restoration movement churches and those that are within that same mindset of of our streams of this movement. We want to facilitate opportunities for Christians of different backgrounds to build friendships with each other. And we hope that that's what's motivated you to be listening to the podcast today. And so, Doug, um, are you ready for Christmas? Is How are things going in Texas? How do people in warm climate celebrate such a snowy holiday? Yes, well, actually today it's a little chilly. It's rainy and chilly, 54 degrees. And a couple of days ago, it actually got down as low as the 30s. But we have been having amazingly warm temperatures, even in December. So we're, it's, hard, it's a little hard to get into the Christmas spirit. But actually, uh, to be with you and our two guests for today is a wonderful thing that's gotten me into a real good spirit. So I'm, I'm really glad to be here with everyone. That is great. Well, there's very few people who better understand the complexities of our movement than you, Doug. And so I'm really glad that you're co-hosting this episode with us. Would you want to start and introduce our uh, guests today? Absolutely. These are two of my closest colleagues in Stone Campbell Studies and my, two of my closest brothers uh, as part of our movement I've been with, with them on numerous occasions in the past, and so it's really, really wonderful to be back with you both today. Paul Che is an ordained minister of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. He's also president of the Christian Unity and Interfaith Ministry, serving as the ecumenical and interreligious officer for Disciples of Christ in North America. He's actively involved in both local and international efforts promoting Christian unity and interfaith dialogue. 
Reverend Shea also equips congregations and regional bodies of the disciples to embrace unity across humanity and to understand various religious traditions. He also holds the position of General Secretary for the Disciples of Christ World Communion. I think it used to be known mostly as the Disciples Ecumenical Consultative Council, but that's a global body that promotes unity and mission among members of churches from our movement, the Disciples of Christ, many of our churches around the world, Churches of Christ, and also the United Churches worldwide. So um, it's really a gift to have you with us, Paul. I, I just remember when we first met, I think it was actually in Korea, and before you became the uh, the person over the Christian unity and interfaith ministry. So uh, it's great to be back with you. And we were together in several other contexts with the, uh, mm-hmm. the secretaries of Christian World Communions in the past. So uh, so glad to be able to, to be with you today. Glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Well, this is one of my former students, one of my students that I'm most proud of. <laughs> Joel Brown uh, now is the president of the Disciples of Christ Historical Society, which is, of course, located in Bethany, West Virginia, on the grounds of Alexander Campbell's home and study. He earned his Ph.D. in American Religious History from the University of Chicago, where he specialized in the study of race and religion in modern U.S. history. This has been a passion of Joel's, and uh, it's something that I think we, we share deeply. Prior to doing his doctoral studies, he studied disciples' history with Newell Williams at Bright Divinity School. And before he went to Bright, he did an uh, MDiv degree at Abilene Christian University and was one of my students. Like I said, one of my one of my star students. I have to say that it's in a way because I'm so proud of what he has been able to do and continues to do. Um, he definitely believes that our church archives and denominational repositories are not just places where you put old documents, but at their best, they're sources for the church's work for justice and wholeness as we move into the future of God's imagining. He's actually got two book projects he's working on right now. The first explores the intersections of race, gender, and social Christianity in turn-of-the-century Chicago. And the second examines theologies of race in the 19th century Stone Campbell movement. Welcome, Joel. Uh, Feel free to say a little bit about uh, what your work with the Disciples Historical Society has meant to you just as you come into that recently. Yeah, thank you. It really is a pleasure to uh, to be here with all of you. I'm still telling people that I'm the new president of the Historical Society, although I've been here a little over a year. I find that it buys me a little bit of grace with folks if they think I'm still new, So, uh, but have, have had some time uh, to settle in here in Bethany and Excited to talk about Christian unity and our history as disciples and in the Stone Camel movement. You definitely have a unique perspective, Joel, in the way that you've studied and also the way that you've explored different aspects of our movement. But tell our listeners a little bit more about what is the Historical Society and why is it important to us? Yeah, so the Historical Society is a general ministry of the Christian church. Disciples of Christ that was founded in 1941, uh, was originally at Culver Stockton College and then moved to Nashville, where it was on the campus of Vanderbilt University until 
2015, 2016, uh, when the Historical Society moved uh, here to Bethany, West Virginia, which for all of us in the Stone Campbell movement is is one of our sacred sites, one of the birthplaces uh, of the movement. And so it's a fitting place for us. And uh, the, the work that we do primarily is that we preserve uh, artifacts, books, documents related to the Stone Campbell movement, and particularly the 19th century. And then, I mean, we have one of the largest collections of 19th century Stone Campbell um, artifacts that there is. And then when you get into the 20th century, we, we're the primary repository for disciples, uh, disciples history in the, the, you know, the 20th and 21st centuries. And so we, we work with a number of the other libraries and archives uh, that are connected to the Stone Campbell movement. One of those is the Center for Restoration Studies, uh, which is at Abilene Christian University, where I actually got my start in archives. I was a graduate assistant at the Center for Restoration Studies when I was uh, uh, doing my Master of Divinity there. And so we, although we're a general ministry of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, we have a unique mandate uh, to work with all the streams of the Stone Campbell movement, especially with Churches of Christ and Christian churches, Churches of Christ. And so throughout our history, we've been a place where those kinds of conversations, those kinds of intra-stream dialogue and projects have have happened and uh, we're committed to continuing to do that. Some of the you know projects that exemplify that the most are things you know like related to the encyclopedia of the Stone Campbell movement and especially the global history that Doug and Newell and Paul helped edit. And so those kinds of projects allow us to think critically about our shared history. I, I think it's also a place where you know we we do our best work of Christian unity, at least within the Stone Campbell movement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, interesting. The World Convention of Churches of Christ started in 1930. And when we decided that we needed to archive all of our information, it's all now housed at the Historical Society as well and and is really important. And I'm really uh, excited that that you're with us. And I hope that people will check out the website for the Historical Society and learn more about ways to interact with the information and artifacts that are housed there. Yeah, let me let me ask uh, Joel to talk a little bit about something. You mentioned the fact that the mandate, one of the mandates of the Historical Society is to serve all parts, all streams of the Stone Campbell movement. And so the fact of the matter is the streams have diverged in the past. I think I think the word stream is the better term. Sometimes people have, have used branch. Stream is more fluid, more uh, dynamic. Streams can actually come back together again uh, rather than, you know, branches that are sort of hard and static and you try to pull them too much, they break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I really like the, the word stream. Talk a little bit about your understanding, especially in light of your role now as the uh, the president of the Historical Society, about the divisions of mm-hmm. the 1906 census recognized churches of Christ as separate from disciples, Christian churches, for the first time in a sort of documented way. What's what's going on there? Yeah. First, I just want to say something about the streams. Like, I love the idea of the uh, the metaphor of streams for. Uh, for our movement. Um, One thing that a lot of people might not know is that most general ministries of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ 
their logo is our chalice, which is the logo for our denomination. Uh, the historical society, our logo is the three streams cross. And so it represents the three major streams of the Stone Campbell movement. And it has a one of the arms of the cross is pointing towards the future uh, where those streams converge. And so that there is a hope that we try to live into that, you know, that even, even while we are divided, there's, there's a future where we do things together. And I, I think as we increasingly realize that one of our theologians, Keith Watkins, uh, was disciples, pastor, scholar, uh, who taught at one of our seminaries. One of the things that he would say about it is that the, the church is eschatological and historical, the church is spiritual and institutional. And so in its eschatological and spiritual sense, uh, the church is one, but it, in its historical and institutional sense, the church is divided. And so those divisions really are you know, part of the reality that we live with. And it makes you know, living into our ideals of Christian unity hard at times. It's awkward. And maybe Paul at some point could speak a little bit to sometimes the awkwardness of you know, ecumenical or interfaith gatherings, because we come to those with different expectations uh, about worship, different expectations and understandings of the sacred. And I think as we can enter into those dialogues, into those conversations or into those places that are going to be awkward and embrace that and realize that that's uh, going to be the reality, then I think that's just an expectation uh, that we ought to come to it with. I mean, it's one of the ironies, I think, of the Stone Camel movement, which was born out of a dream, you know, from its founders of Christian unity that it so quickly, you know, broke into different groups. And I mean, it was not lost on, you know, the the leaders of the Stone Camel movement in the 19th century, that irony of, of splitting. I mean, for Churches of Christ, although the 1906 census is often identified as the point when that division was realized, I mean, that division was... I mean, it was obvious, at least by the late 1880s, if not sooner, and really was a result of the Civil War, which caused, a, as historian Mark Knoll has said, a theological crisis for Christians and churches in the United States, you know, after the Civil War. And so, although we didn't divide as formally or as quickly as other denominations or other movements, you know, the cracks really happened as a result of the Civil War. And in my mind, you can't understand the division in our movement without, you know, thinking seriously about the ways that, you know, ideas about the nation connected to ideas about the Bible and how we understand the Bible connected to ideas about race, um, how all of those things kind of exploded with the Civil War, uh, posed a challenge, posed uh, a crisis for Stone Campbell churches that, you know, that we weren't able to keep from dividing. And And so I I think as you begin to understand that, uh, then you can kind of draw out some of the social sectional, so between North and South, uh, that, you know, some of our historians have helped us understand that Northern churches primarily were the ones who were associated with disciples, while there was a Southern sectional identity that ended up shaping churches of Christ uh, in those decades prior to the turn of the century. So, um, but yeah, Again, I, I, I think understanding the the effect of the Civil War and the the national disunity um, cannot be understated when when trying to understand division. 
Joel, what about the specific things that we supposedly divided over in that period between the Civil War and when the recognition of the division, the first division had taken place? Do you think any of those issues are really of such a magnitude that they, they still provide some real, real barriers to streams coming together, working together? Do you think that there's any of those original ideas, those original points of dispute? I'd also be interested, Paul, for you to be thinking about that question after Joel gives his response, uh, for you to also to give some thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, some of that, certainly the sectional north-south late 19th century sectional differences and and identity that um, contributed to the division. I don't think that's any longer a barrier. I do think that there has been some political polarization or divisions that have kind of taken the place between our our communions, between our churches. And I, I think that probably poses a bigger issue for for union than than anything along those lines. But I, I don't think that the theological differences necessarily pose as big of an, an issue for you know Christian unity today among the three streams of the Stone Campbell movement as they did you know at the at the turn of the century. I think there's more of a passion for ecumenical dialogue uh, relationship among our churches than there has been in the past. But I don't know if there were any specific specific ones that you had in mind. Doug? Well, of course, the surface issues are always not the real issues. Right. And so, as you've already mentioned, the fact, the thing that was so inflammatory to many people in those days was the use of, or, or non-use of instrumental music in worship, for example, or extra congregational cooperative organizations and so forth. Uh, I think in in my understanding, in my opinion, I think that those are surface issues that really reflected some deeper issues that include the sociological and the economic. And so I think what you said is quite helpful. I, I think that um, many of the things that people have sort of continued to focus on are really irrelevant to most people now. Uh, some of those things uh, have just become straw men, for example, uh, they're just not something that are things that are relevant as far as keeping us apart. But uh, Tina's already sort of posed that same question to Paul. Paul, what would you say about those differences that sort of have kept us apart? Are they still relevant? Are they still things that are so um, powerful in the minds and hearts of people that they would just preclude any real connection? Yeah, so whenever I um, really have these kind of questions, uh, especially from my, uh, not only from the my Stone Campbell friends, but also from ecumenical colleagues, I really like to ask myself, what makes Stone Campbell movement churches really Stone Campbell movement churches? So what is our vision together now? Uh, I mean, it is also going back to why uh, we established the uh, the uh, now is the general unit of the Christian Church of Jesus Christ. But we, you know the we started a, a council on Christian union in 1910, and it was a time uh, right after what we just mentioned that uh, you know the 
Churches of Christ officially split from other uh, other two streams, and then you know it was a nineteen uh, it was a nineteen ten at the then it was the international convention of the disciples of Christ. Uh, there was a president, young president of the international convention, who actually had the same question, uh, like I just posed. So, what makes the uh, disciples are disciples of Christ? What really uh, makes us uh, really uh, us a uh, uh, distinctive uh, community of faith? Uh, in my understanding, I think uh, it has not been uh, actually some theological doctrines that really binds us uh, as a church. And it, was, it wasn't actually a particular practice that really bind us a uh, church. I think it was a vision that really made us as a one, I mean, as a the distinctive faith community, which is a vision for unity of all Christians. So I'm, I, I, I understand that, you know, still, we have some differences uh, in terms of uh, theology and in terms of the practices, uh, in terms of ecclesiology, understanding of ecclesiology, and also uh, the way that we really uh, relate to one another, uh, especially related to the, the, the world. But yet, I really like to ask, you know, the, our Stone Campbell streams, so do we still hold on to the vision when we uh, started as a movement all together? I think that's the question that I have. Uh, in, I mean, theological differences or practices, uh, I think that there is a way that we can really embrace one, with, uh, embrace one another uh, because, you know, those differences, even, even I have a different opinion uh, with my my own wife and my <laughs> own children, but yet we 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 are determined to uh, live as a family. So I think that's the determination that whether we really like to hold on to our vision all together and live as a you know one body. I think that's the, my question, especially. You know, I have a little different perspective about the Stone Campbell movement because I grew up in Korea. And then I grew up in uh, uh, the Christian churches and Churches of Christ tradition. Uh, and there was a no disciples actually presence in Korea, and still there's a no disciples presence in Korea uh, either. But there was a, also Churches of Christ presence, strong uh, Churches of Christ presence in Korea there. Um, and then my father was actually the pastor of the uh, 40 churches in Korea, and he served the church for 40 years, and he retired several years back. And then I remember as a as a child uh, that there was actually one time the churches of, churches of Christ and the 40 churches actually merged together and formed the one church in Korea. And then unfortunately, that didn't work out really well. And then now it's also uh, split again. Uh, but it has been really interesting to observe what is happening in Stone Campbell movement in Korea, particularly, because now they realize that uh, it has been a smaller body, but now it became a really small Christian community 
uh, among many other churches, is particularly among the Presbyterians in Korea. <laughs> so I now I post the, you know my the church that I in which I grew up. You know, so um, isn't isn't that a time for us to think about that how we can also again be a one movement? Um, is there any way that can we do that? You know, going uh, coming back to our own context, I really think that uh, we have to really ask ourselves what is the really vision that we are we are we we are having in common now. Um, uh, otherwise, actually, I don't see any differences. You know, um, from other Christian bodies. It's like such good perspective, Paul. Does anybody want to respond to what Paul said before I go to our next question? I just think that was a lot of really um, rich perspective that Joel or Doug, if you want to respond to that. Yeah, I think that Paul has zeroed in on when Newell uh, Lowers and I were doing the global history, we tried to have a closing chapter of the book saying, what are the things that really sort of identify all of us? And I think that while there are some practices that are almost universally common, it was that vision. I think you, you expressed that vision in a brilliant way, Paul. Thank you so much for that. And that that's something that um, it takes determination. It takes commitment to say, we are going to do this together. And I think that's one of the things that... Um, I'm not sure. Maybe this is not the right way to say it, but it's it's been there. There's been a lot of selfishness on the part across the board, where people want to say uh, it's got to be my way, uh, or we'll have nothing to do with you. On the other hand, we are we are brought together by Christ. That's what brings us together, and we share so much, even even beyond that, because of our history and heritage and shared experiences through the, through the two centuries. Uh, but it just takes a lot of determination, and it also takes a lot of humility. Yeah, when Paul and I were recently at the Secretaries of Christian World Communions meeting in Geneva, it was interesting to see in this ecumenical meeting the power of just being together like the richness of what everybody's perspective brought. And I just thought this is the way that when Christ prayed that we would be one, this seems like what he meant in that. And so I really appreciate that call to, you know, what is our vision and how can we live that out? Paul, you mentioned the 1910 Council on Christian Unity and how it embodies the unit unity emphasis of the Stone Campbell movement, what were the developments that led up to the current Christian unity and interfaith ministries? Yeah, so um, I really wanted to uh, actually uh, present why, I mean, to the particularly to the Disciples of Christ, why now the Council on Christian Unity uh, decided to uh, actually uh, to become uh, ministry, not only uh, not only pursuing uh, Christian unity, but also unity of all humanity. And then I wanted to really uh, explain this intention a little bit theologically. So I wrote a paper and then um, I actually had a um, 
uh, I had a privilege to present that paper uh, at a Bright Divinity School a couple of years a couple years ago. And then, if you ever interested in uh, my paper, it is posted on uh, disciplescuim.org, which is my ministry website. And then, the, uh, if you go to uh, the tab, there's a, a publications, and then uh, my paper is titled "The Interreligious Commitment as an Ecumenical Call." So, you'll put that in the show notes, Paul. I, I think that would be a great resource for people. Yeah, so I try to define what it means to be ecumenical. And then simply, I really, simply speaking, to me, I mean, every Christian church is uh, uh, ecumenical in nature because I believe that being uh, ecumenical also means that uh, it is, uh, it's about our relationships. How are we going to relate it to with one another as a Christians? And how are we going to relate to the world as also Christians and as one body of Christ? Um, so now I, we really need to think about, you know, we are not pursuing Christian unity for sake of Christians. It is not an attempt at a, yes, okay, we'd like to really uh, restore our unity so that we can have uh, uh, any uh, conflicts or uh, any even the fights when we had this family reunion kind of meetings. Right. So that's not the purpose that we are pursuing the Christian unity. In my understanding, we are pursuing Christian unity because we receive the call from God to serve the world. Oh, that's so important, Paul. Thank you so much for saying it that way. Yeah, so this is about how we're going to relate it to the, to the world. And of course, from my perspective, you know, I'm serving the ministry that really think about uh, how we're going to engage in uh, dialogues and conversations. So uh, that is why I really emphasize, uh, you know, interreligious relationships. But at the same time, you know, it, uh, another way that we can really uh, see our relationship to the world is that uh, how are we going to really serve, uh, you know, serve the, this world together as a one body of Christ, particularly the world is suffering right now. Mm. And then we think, you know, we think about the, the wars and conflicts, you know, the armed conflicts, especially we, I mean, our hearts are so aching now because of uh, what what is happening in particularly in the Middle East and in Ukraine and then also Colombia, South Sudan and also the Korean Peninsula, these conflicts and then the hardships of life cannot be tackled by one church, one particular denomination. Even even the biggest denomination in the world, I'm not gonna name which church it is. I think everyone knows which church is the biggest single denomination in the world, but it cannot be tackled by even the biggest church. So now, in order to serve the world, which God so loved, even, you know, God uh, gave uh, the God's only begotten son, we have to really think about how we're going to really serve the church, I mean, serve the world all together and heal the wounds and then bring the reconciliation and also, you know, uh, finally 
how we're going to really bring God's kingdom all together. So that is why the there is a you know first step was actually that we we really wanted to think about our relationship as a Christians. So it was a more, much more our own relationship. And then now there's a call for us that now as a one body of Christ, we also need to think about how we're going to serve the world together. Uh, and that is why I really wanted to really explain, you know, literally those theological, you know, theological um, understanding about uh, our uh, engagement with the uh, interface neighbors. So, yeah, if you're ever interested in this kind of a thing, uh, uh, my paper might be a good way to uh, really see how we took the, this kind of a journey as a, as a church uh, in my paper, yeah. That's really, really, really helpful, Paul. That's, that really, I think, explains the reason for this in the context of our scriptural mandate as Christians. I mean, what, what are we all about here? What is this all about? Have you had any challenges, pushback? Have some people sort of said, well, it sounds like you're just making it all, you know, relative that, that our beliefs are just as not as good as or just as good or everybody others' beliefs is just as good as ours. Have you had any pushback along those those lines? So it has been really interesting journey for me, especially, you know, uh, it, it wasn't easy for me to actually even the adopted this new name because uh, our name is a hundred years old. Many people are really appreciated that now our church is uh, officially engaged in this kind of you know, interface work. And then especially young, younger generations are so enthusiastic about the interface. So my challenge is a little bit unique that now I'm more... Uh, I have to more uh, remind ourselves that uh, we are not just engaged in an in interface, you know, um, the activities because we like to, but here we have to really clearly understand why we, why part, why we need to engage in interface activities. And then also this kind of an interface engagement also remind us that yes, Still, church division is a scandal to the world. Come on. When we go to interface friends, we are not going to, uh, going to them as a disciples of Christ or as a Presbyterian or Methodist. Uh, they don't much care about this kind of a divisions among the Christians. They really like to know that uh, how they can really relate it to us, all of us, as just Christians, period. So this kind of interface engagement really uh, sort of uh, pushes us to really pursuing unity uh, among Christians so that we can go to the world as a Christians all together. So, so my challenge is more like, especially for younger generations, that, hey, we, there is a reason why we are still uh, uh, remain uh, a distinctive faith community. Here's our calling that still that we received from, from God, which is that uh, our vision for unity should have happened at the Lord's table. So it is really, it's, it's still, division is a scandal 
And then it is really um, sad that all Christians cannot gather at the table yet. So there is uh, still the work to do among ourselves as Christians. And so I think that has been a real challenge for me that we, I still have to remind my church that, hey, we have still the call that we received from God. So don't forget about it. We are not going to the interface uh, friends, you know, because we like to hang out with interface friends. Uh, <laughs> of course, it is great that we can hang out with interface friends, uh, but also I think we have to really remind ourselves about our, our calling. Yeah. One of the efforts of of the Stone Campbell movement to build unity among our three streams was the Stone Campbell Dialogues. And um, I wonder, Doug, if you would share a little bit about this and Paul, if you would chime in. Joel, I don't know. Did you ever participate in the Stone Campbell Dialogues? Uh, my first, ex- I grew up in Churches of Christ. My first exposure to disciples and four C's churches was through the Stone Campbell Dialogues. Um, I was actually a, a teenager and my, my father, who was a Church of Christ minister, was participating in the Stone Campbell. I, I didn't know that Disciples of Christ were something that existed or, or that I was, as Churches of Christ, we were, we were historically related to them um, until it was because of the Stone Campbell Dialogues, in fact, um, yeah. that I learned. Doug, tell a little bit about that. And the reason I want to just spend a few minutes on this is because, um, you know, as Paul and I um, were talking uh, a couple of months back, trying to look at ways that we are intentionally together. Historically, the Stone Campbell Dialogues was a way that we gathered. And so maybe it's time to resurrect that. And maybe as our listeners hear about this, uh, maybe they'll also have ideas of how to um, create this space in a way um, that engages younger generations, that engages some of our ecumenical friends. So just, uh, Doug, will you tell a little bit about what uh, Stone Campbell Dialogues are? And then Joel and Paul, will you just kind of chime in as to why you think they might be important? And if we go forward with something like this, what what new things could we bring to this kind of conversation? Absolutely. Yes, the um, the Stone Campbell Dialogue as a movement in the United States began, I guess, at least it began in conversation in 1998. And it was actually at a board meeting of the World Convention of Churches of Christ. Uh, World Convention for since 1930, as you mentioned, uh, Tina, and now called the Global Christian Connection. Um, has always tried to be inclusive of people from across the streams. Churches of Christ were not really represented for a good bit of that time, but um, but in, at that point, it was certainly well represented from all of the major streams of churches uh, of the uh, churches of the Stone Campbell movement. And Dick Ham, who was at that time the president and general minister of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ was a member of the World Convention Board. And we had started, there's some of us who had started something separate that had started, I don't know, 15 or so years before, maybe even a little more, uh, called the Restoration Forum. Restoration Forum was primarily between the Acapella Churches of Christ and the Christian Churches, Churches of Christ, as, as you referred to it as the Four Seas Churches. And that had been going on for a while. 
I was not in on the formation of that, but had been part of that uh, for several years by that time. And Dick Ham, basically, I'm not sure how it came up in the conversation, but he said, you know, disciples cannot claim to be ecumenical if we won't even talk to the people with whom we share the same heritage. Well, you know, there are certain parts of churches of Christ and Christian churches, churches of Christ that uh, had a lot of suspicion of disciples, but a lot of it's because they just didn't know any disciples and had not talked to them about their faith. And that started a conversation, and that brought together people from the three, three major U.S. North American streams. Robert Welch, who was by that time the, the president of the Council on Christian Unity. Um, I, I guess uh, Robert was your predecessor, right, Paul? Yeah, he, uh, he began uh, making contacts with folks, with a uh, couple of leaders from the Christian churches and with me. We began to try to put something together and plan something. And so the next year, 1998, it began in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, we spent uh, three days together uh, in prayer and in, in discussion. And, and that continued for uh, a number of years. Actually, we, we continued every year in, uh, through two, 2016. There's a history of the Stone Campbell Dialogue. Uh, that was published, I think it was in the Lexington Theological Journal. But uh, I'll, we'll put that in the resources also for those who are listening to the podcast. It gives a much more complete uh, story of this, this dialogue. And it was really an amazing, amazing movement. It came to an end in 2016. That was the last one. Uh, some of the older people who had been sort of leading it were urging some of the younger ones to sort of to, to take it and run with it, and uh, and it didn't really take off immediately. There were some other things that were happening, I think, in some people's lives, and so the ones who had kind of said they might do something with it didn't, and so it ended in 2016. But the the effect is still being felt, I think, in a lot of ways, and so it's a it was a powerful, positive movement for bringing people together across the streams, and I think uh, as Joel has already. Uh, sort of testified, brought people into communication with one another who did not know people from those other streams. And so, you know, over the two or three day period, people would be rooming together and talking together, and learning about things that they wouldn't have otherwise. And it was a really amazing uh, set of, of meetings. So I guess maybe at this point, Tina, would it be appropriate to sort of Pride uh, Paul a little bit on some of his ideas, perhaps, uh, since the uh, the original uh, impulse, as far as disciples are concerned, came from the Council on Christian Unity with Robert Welch. Now Paul in that position, and uh, you had had some ideas, I think, Paul, about maybe resuming the Stone Campbell dialogue. Uh, as you, you know, as you mentioned, um, actually the you know. Um, uh, one of the one of the really driving forces of, uh, for this dialogue was uh, was uh, my predecessor Robert Welsh, uh, and then um, and still also because as I shared earlier, I, I you know because I grew up in uh, uh, the Christian churches and churches of Christ tradition in Korea, um, still you know 
I really think that it is important for us to be engaging in a, uh, conversations and then dialogues. The challenge challenge is that that uh, because you know, as you can imagine, um, uh, it, I really hope that uh, this dialogue, you know, really uh, resumed uh, with the the same level of passion from the three streams. Uh, it, it's not just one stream really uh, make this happen, but I really like to see that, you know, we have a, a really, uh, people from the three streams have the same passion about, okay, uh, we really have to engage in conversations. And then also we need to think about uh, what we can do together. I mean, um, of course, my, Experience with the Stone Campbell movement, a Stone Campbell dialogue is limited to, to the to the the very last two meetings, which was uh, in 2015 in Baltimore, and then the following meeting was 2016 in Lexington, Kentucky. As a doc uh, described, there was a new leadership was formed, um, but uh, um, we didn't have a really mo um, momentum to. Uh, you know, uh, go further with this new leadership team. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I know that because I've heard from so many people from the different streams that still, still there's a desire for us to, uh, to continue this kind of a dialogue. And, and then also I remember that, uh, um, at, at the meeting in 2015, uh, the theme for the meeting was actually racism. Um, and then, so how we really look at the racism uh, from, you know, our, our tradition. And also we have, we recognize that uh, 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 our founding fathers, uh, actually they, I mean, in their context, probably they, they did their best to understand the, the uh the racial dynamics but yet we have to clearly understand that understand that they they were also i really hesitated and hate to say this but they were racist and then but we are not stay there but as a you know as a you know, stone campbell movement churches then how are we gonna really uh repent our own sin and also well, how we can be a vehicle to bring a, a reconciliation together. Um, so I, I think that there was a really moment that, uh, you know, we are not just gathered, not only for the dialogues, but also that we, uh, how are we going to relate to our own context here in North America? So I was, uh, I think that there was a, uh, you know, great, uh, actually, sort of a turnover of our directions at that time. Um, so, but again, I love to uh, see the, you know, we have this uh, dialogue, dialogue uh, uh, love to see dialogue, you know, resumed. And then at the same time that we now, uh, we have, a, you know, people who from the three streams have a, share the same passion uh, about, you know, this kind of uh, engagement altogether. I think that's what I like to see. Yep. Mm hmm and if um, within that um, gathering and those dialogues, we could take some specific 
um, actions together, you know, that from that we can, even if we have small cohorts that are representative of the restoration movement moving forward together on some of the things we discuss, you know, that seems like that would be um, really important for the, for the moment. Joel, do you have any other thoughts about what that could look like going forward? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think those are both really important points. And part of this is there's been an evolution, I think, of what Christian unity has meant for the different streams of the Stone Campbell movement. And um, I really appreciate what Paul is highlighting in terms of, you know, we why Christian unity, why get together, you know, why try and do this? Um, and it's, I mean, for us as disciples, we're a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. Like we believe we can do more together than we can on our own. I think the kind of Christianity that people are yearning for is one that makes a difference in the world, you know, that, um, that addresses some of the big issues, some of the problems, you know, our broader division and fragmentation in the world um, that tries to solve some of these problems. And I, you know, I think that we can do a good job of, of addressing those if we come together and work together, because I think we're all better for it, you know, when we come together. That would be my hope, you know, is that um, particularly as people who are related historically, you know, that we could maybe think about some of the things in our own past, in our own shared history that have been challenges for us. And, uh, you know, if we can come together and, you know, start to talk about that, you know, it's, you know, you, you're able to move forward when you deal with some of this stuff in your past, right? Like that's, that's true for relationships, marriages, you know, and I, I think it's probably true for us as a movement that if we can come together and, you know, tell some of those hard truths, talk about some of those parts of our past that, you know, have caused division that have been barriers for us, um, that there's, there's a possibility for us to move forward, um, both as a witness to the gospel, but also, um, you know, to address, to do some things. Um, and so that, that would be my hope, you know, for us going forward to be able to find places where we can do that. Um, certainly, you know, you all are doing that historical society is trying to do that. And I I think we could, whether it's the Stone Campbell dialogues or something like it, I I think we're going to be better for it. Joel, your statement reminded me of one of the meetings of the Stone Campbell Dialogue. I've forgotten where we were meeting, but we met. And during part of one of the days, we each got into our separate groups, you know, disciples, churches of Christ, Christian churches, etc. And we wrote down all of the negative things that we say, that is, we, in the sense of our group, say about the other two groups. Mm-hmm. Just listed them. And then we got back together and we read them to each other. And then we confessed our sin. And then we got into a a circle and we prayed for a long time and asking forgiveness from each other and from God. That was one of the most powerful ones. Now, we didn't do it the first meeting. (laughs) (laughs) We, We knew each other by then. We loved each other. We respected each other. We could say anything to each other. But, but I mean, we just we just read it out in its rawest form. We didn't try to put any any coating, sugar coating on it at all. But yeah, I think that very 
that very kind of confession of, to one another is a, a powerful thing. Just uh, for your reference, um, uh, my ministry website also has the the list of the Stone Campbell dialogues, and then you can actually uh, find uh, almost every paper that was uh, presented to the meeting on the website. So, um, it's you know, um, if you are interested in take a look at the topics that are. Uh, that was discussed, and then also there's some papers that you like to read. There are some interesting papers actually were presented uh, during the meeting. So um, it is, uh, again, it's a www.disciplescuim.org. I think I'm, now I'm, I'm doing a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You go ahead and just advertise away. I think that's fantastic. And uh, we will put that linked in the show notes. Um, and, you know, you all talked about um, Newell Williams. And I just want to say that as, you know, Global Christian Connection and the way that we partner with Co- Common Grounds Unity, I'm really grateful for our board being made up of people from all three streams. And Dr. Newell Williams is also on our board. And um, and I think it's our role, and I'm saying this in front of my boss, but our role to kind of champion some of these things uh, that we're talking about. We need representation from everyone, but we can play a unique role in that in Global Christian Connection of of seeing those things come into being and then seeing how God works. So I would invite the listeners, uh, no matter what stream that you represent, we also have a lot of ICOC listeners if you all are interested in this kind of work in this kind of conversations and this kind of trying to come together to address some of the pain in the world in a way that reflects our faith and our values, um, you know, reach out to us. Um, you can reach out to John at commongroundsunity.org and let him know. You can make comments on our Facebook page, uh, Common Grounds Unity, but we would love to have, uh, the momentum that I see as I work uh, with Global Christian Connection. And this last year, we've worked a lot in Poland and Ukraine, you know, seeing how those churches are working together and also how churches in the United States are trying to come alongside them in a united way. And so it seems like to me that this is a unique moment. And I think by listening to this podcast with um, Dr. Doug Foster, Dr. Joel Brown, Dr. Paul Che, you all see that these are people within our movement and with such rich history across the streams represented in each one, which I think is so interesting, Um, but that they are made for this moment in the church. And I think there are a lot of our listeners that can resonate with that as well. I just want to thank you all so much for this time today. And um, I I have a feeling that we're going to be inviting you all back to have more conversations. Um, Joel, when are your books coming out? Uh, that, that is a great question. <laughs> For another not, time? Not, not any time uh, in the immediate future. Um, but, well, but I think books. the topics of your books would also yeah. be uh, really interesting for our listeners. So 
Um, and Paul, maybe uh, after we've had a chance to read your paper, we could have you back um, just to share more and uh, really dig into, um, you know, the, the why of things. And uh, so thank you all so much for being with us today. Um, for our listeners, thank you so much for being with us, for being interested in the work of unity among believers. And um, if you feel led to give to this ministry of Common Grounds Unity, in the show notes, there'll be a link for you to give. We appreciate your involvement, engagement, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn about who we are and to find gatherings in your area. You can also subscribe to our monthly digital newsletter, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. If you benefit from this ministry, please consider a monthly donation by going to www.commongroundsunity.org donate. Until next time, God bless, and remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.